I'm walking all alone down my yellow brick road and I stomp to the beat of my own drum. Got my pockets full of dreams and they're busting at the seams Going boom, boom, boom to my own song Welcome to Stacked Keys Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Stackhouse. This is a podcast to feature women who are impressive in the work world or in raising a family or who have hobbies that make us all feel encouraged. Want to hear what makes these women passionate to get up in the morning or what maybe they wish they'd known a little bit earlier in their lives? Grab your keys and stomp to your own drum. There's a great big world that I want to see and a whole lot of things that I want to be. All I got to do is count one, two, three. I am super excited today to welcome Mary Barron. Um, we've got a lot to talk about and we're going to dive right in, but welcome, Mary. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Well, I'm excited and uh, there's just so much, so many different aspects that I want to talk to you about your life and who you are both in and out of the jiu-jitsu world. But if somebody were to describe you both in your professional and your personal life, what would they say about Mary? Um, jokes immediately come to mind. I was like, uh, she's late, (laughs) notoriously late to things, but, um, no, I think that I do think people would, um, see and realize I'm very passionate about the things that I do. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm an occupational therapist and I work with adults with special needs and geriatric patients in my professional life. Um, that's part of my professional life. And, um, I love it. I think people will describe me in both my professional and the jiu-jitsu world as down to earth. I really enjoy connecting to people on a very real level. Um, I try to be, I guess, as open and real as I can be in a tactful manner, you know, uh, to where even my patients and their families can feel comfortable because it's, it's difficult. The, the job that I do, I don't think my job for me, to, to me, it doesn't feel difficult, but the families having to deal with the various things that cause somebody to have to need occupational therapy can be very draining and difficult. And I like them to feel very, um, just able and safe with me to not just tell me, Hey, these are the practical things that we need to address, but sometimes they have to lay their emotional burdens, you know, out in front of me and things like that. So um, that's not a super concise answer, but I, I think I would hope that what people see is that I'm welcoming, um, I'm safe, um, I'm down to earth. I like that. And that's, that is an interesting career. I mean, that I think sometimes we don't think about how you have to bring yourself to the job. So, I mean, that can tug at your heart a good bit. Oh yeah. How do you handle your heart in that? I'm learning. Uh, It's, it's definitely a process, Um, especially. So I'm in the home health setting. So I either go to like day habs, which a day hab is 
basically a daycare for special needs adults, you know, kind of. It's definitely a process because in home health, the turnover isn't very fast. So what I mean is when I was working in the hospital, I might see a patient for a couple days and then they move along to the next stage. Right. Um, but in home health, I'll see them over the course. It depends on the patient, but some patients I'll see over the course of a year weekly. Some patients I'll see over the course of 60 days and I, I get to know them in, in their journey and becoming more independent. Um, and man, it's, you see everything, you know? Um, and it's a love and a hate I have about my job. I wouldn't say a hate, but, uh, of how close I'm able to get with my patients and their families. It's part of, it's the number one thing in my job that brings me the most satisfaction, you know? So for example, I had a patient who I haven't seen in two months. They've been discharged from me for a while, but I've maintained a relationship with him and his wife. And his wife called me a couple of days ago and she was just crying. She was just overwhelmed because caregivers, I mean, people forget how much caregivers have to do um, and how much oh, yeah. their life changes when their loved one is not doing well and how limited their life becomes because they have to be, you know, there it's like they become a parent again, right? For a newborn. Um, anyway, she called me and she's all upset and crying and, you know, he had fallen again and all these things. And so I, you know, just, oh, it was Saturday. I was like, okay, well, let me just come over. And I come over and hang out with them for an hour and a half. Okay. Well, that's not part of my job per se. It's not a paying part of my job. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. It's just an example of, I have that opportunity to really connect with my patients. And so I both love it, but it's both also can be sometimes draining, sometimes difficult because there's some things that you, I can't fix for them. Right. You know, like I had a patient with Parkinson's disease. That's a progressive disease. There's no cure there. And so him going through the struggle, um, him going through the struggle of knowing it's always going to get worse and the depression that comes with that. Well, what I can do is be a friend and I can be there. But what's difficult is knowing that I can't actually fix the underlying problem. Right. Um, and those are things that I've made me cry in the shower, kept me up at night. Um, I'm just cry now, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, I'm sorry. It's, um, yeah, that's fine. That's what I'm talking about. It, it just, <laughs> it, it, if you're good at your job, it's going to tear your heart at that point. It has, and you also have to set boundaries. You know, there's some people that they do yeah. need you, but some people, um, it is just true. Some people will take advantage of, of you if you are open or caring, right? Um, they'll take advantage of your time when really they have other people to do those things that they need, or or maybe they just simply want you there because they haven't talked to somebody that day. And, and you have to realize yeah, like I everything. I can't give all of my time to one person. And that's something I've learned is also setting boundaries. Um, and then learning to ask for help or tell the patient like, I cannot do this. We need to call your doctor. I cannot do this. We need to call your, your daughter. We need to call your cousin. We need to call, we need to call reinforcements. Right. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I'm definitely somebody who wants to go in and I want to advocate and I want to fix the problem for them um, and be their hero, you know? Um, but I can't do, I'm not qualified for all of it or simply right. I don't call it. So I'm, that's why I say I'm learning is because I've gone through several patients where it's like, wow, okay, I, I should have asked for help from somebody on the team, whether that's their spouse or their doctor or their kid or somebody, right? Or, yeah. um, 
but at the same time, I don't want to flip and go the other way where it's like, I just go in, I do my job and leave. That is not satisfying for me. Um, so it's both the thing I love my, and again, I hate's not the right word. I don't hate it at all, but thing I love and this thing, it also sometimes burdens my heart the most is the same thing. Does that make yeah. sense? I don't think I really answered Oh, definitely. It. Yeah, you did. You did. And that does. And that, and that kind of gives me a, a little, gives us all a little peek into you because there's that compassion um, and the ability to, to meet the needs. But, um, but you mentioned boundaries. So are you a good boundary setter? Not just, you know, in this part of your life, but have you, have you always been a good boundary setter in relationships or gym relationships or whatever? Absolutely not. No. uh, (laughs) It was something I think I didn't realize I wasn't good at. Um, Yeah. I think some of it comes from being my mother's daughter. Like my mom is very welcoming. She's going to reach out to the underdog. She's going to give people of her time. And I think way more than I do, you know, I look at her and I'm like, I don't know how she does everything she does, you know, but, um, but after going through some situations I've gone through over the last couple of years, being an occupational therapist last three years, being in the gym that I'm in for the last year or so. No, I'm not the best. Um, and it's something I have gotten better at. I do think from when I was younger, like middle school, high school, even undergraduate, um, so I'm 33 now. So when I was in my early twenties, I think I was much worse at setting boundaries and I've just gotten better with time. But like I said earlier, when I was talking about my job, what I don't want to do is overcorrect, like get jaded and then overcorrect and be cold. And I do feel like there was a period of my life in the last year and a half where I got jaded and I turned, I felt cold. Um, and I think it was looking back and because some of my friends or teammates have told me, um, that I did, um, it was a notable change that I kind of came icy, which is just not a, uh, a natural thing for me. Um, but I almost did out of like self-preservation, right. Not to play a victim role. Okay. Like we all do shit to bring things upon ourselves. Right. But, uh, I just didn't have, I wasn't, didn't have the tools to set good boundaries. So again, I'm learning. Um, I, sometimes I just had this conversation the other day. Sometimes I'm like, man, I can't trust my own intuition. I feel very gullible sometimes when I never would have described myself as that before. Like years ago, I've been like, I'm not gullible. You're not going to pull one over on me. But, um, um, one of my best friends the other day said, yeah, Mary, you, you, meet people and you're welcoming right away and you let them in fast and you get comfortable fast and you kind of fail to see the warning signs. And she wasn't just talking about like relationships, but like friendships, you know? Yeah. I need need some more people to tell me, like, give me a heads up, you know, but work in progress. Well, Hey, life is a work in progress. All right. So I want to go ahead and jump into so we can lay this groundwork because I know it's going to all interrelate, but um, tell me your jujitsu path. So when did you come in to, to being a part of the jujitsu world and kind of, kind of walk me into that? Um, I think it was October, 2018 is when I started. It's like the month before I turned 30. Yeah. And, um, is when I really started, I had taken a class, one class about two years prior to that, but was not able to continue because I was in grad school and it was very, um, demanding. 
Um, but the, the way I even took my first class was I was, um, I'm from Kentucky. And so before I moved here, um, I lived in Kentucky until I was 18, then lived in Alabama for almost the next eight years on and off between there and Florida. And I was back in Kentucky a year before I came to grad school, taking my prereqs in Kentucky. And I'd met a boy there who I was dating when I first came to Austin. And when he came to visit me one time, he was like, he did jujitsu and kickboxing, but he had never invited me before. And he was just adamant about wanting me to take a class with him at 10th Planet. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I have to study for anatomy. And he was like, just come one hour. So I went and I loved it. Um, but again, I couldn't, I just, I didn't have time. I got sick a lot during grad school. It just didn't work out. So as soon as I graduated, I wasn't with that person anymore. I hadn't been for years, but I was like, I'll just go back to that gym and try it again. And so instead of looking for a job for three months, I just did jujitsu. Like I went, I go to the lunch class oh, wow. and, and then the owner's wife or at the time it was just the owner's girlfriend, but it's his wife. Now Priscilla just kind of took me under her wing. Um, and I, she stay with me for like two hours and teach me the warmups and film with me. And that's also how, like, I don't know um, if you've seen like my Instagram page, but it's how my Instagram started yeah. to build is doing these videos with Priscilla, just kind of like, Oh, we're just practicing. Let's see what, you know, and there was no intention of it growing. It just happened, you know, but um, yeah, that's how I got started. And then I just, I loved it. I grew up in sports my whole life. I have four brothers grew up, you know, wrestling, pretty aggressive female, pretty tomboyish. And, um, I just, uh, yeah, just really, really fucking loved it and love it. <laughs> so would you say that jujitsu changed your life in a way? Can you kind of, yeah. um, in a way it kind of brought me back to who I was. And what I mean by that is, you know, I was in organized sports my whole life and I went to college mm-hmm. for track and field um, so pole vaulter in college and ran the four by four. So when I was 22, I graduate. And from 22 to almost 30, I had no organized sports. My job before being an occupational therapist was running pure bar fitness studios. It's a high-end women's fitness franchise. And I managed some locations and I co-owned a location in South Alabama. And, um, that, you know, that's different. It's not organized sports, you know, it's very, it's a great workout, but it's about a bunch of like black card moms, you know, and, um, wealthy women come in there were wonderful, enjoyed all of them, but it's a different atmosphere than being on a sports team. And so when I got back into jujitsu, I felt like, Oh, fucking finally, Jesus Christ. Like finally, finally, um, I'm back, you know, to, who I am, which is an athlete. I think I'll be a lifelong athlete in whatever capacity and being around women who kind of like-minded in that way. It takes a special person to really be involved in jujitsu, I think, or a combat sport. And then I was also on a co-ed team, which was normal to me in track and field, you know? Um, so I felt like I was just having a team atmosphere again. So changed me. I don't know. I think it just brought back aspects of my life. I was really missing that yeah. I had experienced before, but what's interesting. Yeah, I can, can see that. It, what, Go ahead. We, I don't know if you want to touch on this now or later, but mm-hmm. what's really interesting for me in, in competition now though is so now I'm again on a team sport, but it's still an individual sport, right? You're not competing as a team per se, right? It's like gym. I was a gymnast for seven years same thing. It's a team sport. You can get a team award, but you're individually competing. You're not like passing a ball. Right. 
So, but being the age I am now and competing now, and right now is actually the biggest stage I've ever competed on really Um, because of it being televised, because of being on pay-per-view fights, things like that. Um, I'm getting to experience competition in a different way and I get to redo it. So like before when I was competing, I would really punish myself if I didn't do well, whether that meant if I missed, I play volleyball as well. So if I missed a serve, I'd go run laps on the, on the track after the game. If I didn't, you know, do as well in track and field, I'd take my spikes and I would just spike my leg. You know, it was very unhealthy mindset, but it was like an intense mindset. It was like, no, that you're not, you don't have excuses because you're not weak like other people. This was like this intense, in, in sports, it's almost admired. Oh, this person's really intense. Like they push themselves, push them. But I think the intention behind it wasn't healthy. It was like perfectionism, Mm -hmm. right? Which makes people Mm -hmm. Olympic champions. But um, I was able to now see that for what that was and try to change my mindset now competing at 33 years old in a sport that I'll probably never be top level professional because I started late and I have a job, you know, I don't do this 24 seven. Right. But I'm able to actively work on my mindset going into these competitions and how like focus on how does it affect me? How do I want it to affect me? So I don't know how I bounced to that, but like when you say, did it change my life? I think it provided an opportunity again in that particular aspect for me to actively like apply tools that I've learned in therapy um, to my life, you know? And then when you apply those things, like dealing with like perfectionism or OCD or things like that and learning to like give yourself grace and not think that it's weak to give yourself grace, learning to use that anxiety more as excitement to feed you, to fuel you, um, and learning to accept defeat and not let it define you is something jujitsu is helping me with so much, which then does change my life because you don't just apply that to your sport. You apply that. It translates out. It translates out to me. I have to be actively translating it out. It's not a very passive thing for me, or I'll just revert back to you know, you're fucking not good enough. You're fucking not, you know, all these, all these things that can go on in my mind. Right. Cause I'm not performing to the level I want to perform, or I'm not financially performing to the level I want to perform, or I'm not doing the adult things I need to do in my life. That makes me feel like the responsible adult. I should be, it, it, it just ripples out. Right. Did you, could you follow what I was saying? Yeah, definitely. I follow it and I understand it. Um, because I've watched the same thing. I I watched Isaac come through football and, and have, you know, slam your helmet down because you didn't do what you were supposed to have done. And everybody expected that behavior out of you because, you know, you let the team down or, or, you know, whatever, and then running more laps. And then, and then I watched him transition to walking into a cage and losing He's won some, but lost some and losing and seeing him know that he walked out of there, not winning, but accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And that mindset is just a switch. But what's interesting to me 
is that it's constant. So does that wear you out? What do you mean? What do you mean it's constant? Well, I mean, if you, well, like talking about if you aren't aware of it, then you resort back or, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, so I yes. mean, I mean, that can be, that can be exhausting unless you really have found that grace aspect. Right. So I know you are speaking in, in, to my experience and I, all I can say is I've only ever been me. Right. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. On the workings of my own mind. Um, you caught me crying a lot today. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Jiu-jitsu gets me, you know, but, um, it, it is, it's draining to try and break that cycle of that pattern of thinking, you know, and people don't always know that about you, like the self-hate that can go on and, um, the failed expectations you have for yourself. And sometimes the self-sabotage you do, right? Because if you don't set certain goals, you can't not meet them. You know what I mean? So, yes, it can be very draining, tiring um, to try and break that pattern. But to me, I guess part of the process has been also accepting and reveling in your accomplishments. Cause that was also difficult. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, when I graduated grad school, all my friends are sitting out all these like graduation things to their family. And I remember thinking, why the fuck would you do that? My friend was like, what do you mean? I didn't say this to her. I told her what I was thinking for myself. You, you do, you, you know, but I was like, I went into grad school <laughs> expecting, I went in expecting to graduate. Why would I have people come praise me for graduating? If, if I didn't think I was going to do this, I wouldn't have started. Yeah. Like, it's how I think towards me. Now, if somebody else sends me their graduation, I'm like, good for you. I'm happy for them. But towards myself, it's like, why would somebody praise me for doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Does that yeah. make sense? Okay. Yeah. Now. Did you grow up that way? Uh-huh. Well, because I can, I can kind of think, I mean, I, I didn't give gold stars to my kids for cleaning their room because it's like, seriously, you live in there, clean it up. Now yeah. I did let the girls clean up Isaac's room and keep whatever money they found. Yeah. which worked out well for them, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm with you on the, why do you, why do yeah, you reward when it's something that you are expecting it, yourself to do? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know how much was, uh, that was something that was like nurtured in me. Right. Or was actually my mm-hmm. regular nature. So my parents, they, they praise us, you know, for accomplishments, right. but I'm one of six kids. We're all very ambitious entrepreneurs, um, a lot of, you know, different accolades, competitive, very competitive. I'm very, very competitive. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I know I've almost always thought that way. I can remember my thoughts. Yeah. I'm one of those people. I can, I can remember things I thought when I was in third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, I, I, I can remember what I was wearing while I was thinking it and what I was feeling. If it's attached to an my emotion, goodness. I can remember it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just remember thinking, well, I'm expected to be the best. And if you don't expect to be the best, then get the fuck out. But so do you take that on the mat? It, I'm better. I have, no, I, I, 
I'd say that my first year on jujitsu, I kind of was that way. I remember winning and I remember going to, um, I, I competed 17 times my first year and won almost all of them. And I remember my first one winning and going out to eat with the team and coach was like, why aren't you wearing your medal? Cause I expected to win. Like I'm wearing this as if I didn't expect to win. So maybe it's an arrogant thing. So now that I'm hearing out loud, probably, um, <laughs> but it was like, um, but I caught it that first year and was like, okay, this isn't health, you know? Um, and realistically I'm, I'm an average blue belt at best average. I know that I'm very aware of it. I have no illusions that I'm better than what I am. Um, and I accepted that. And I were, I've worked very hard with jujitsu competitions to be okay. Like I want to be better, but like I also have a life and I have a job and there's other things I'm pursuing and doing with jujitsu rather than just being the best athlete. Like I kind of realized a little bit of my limitations, but even while I'm saying it, I can hear the other part of my brain being like, that's what weak people say. That's what weak people say. You know? So it's like having to write that down and be like, no, it's okay. It's okay to be where I'm at with it. You know? Um, so this is the first sport though I've competed in where I have been actively changing my pat my thinking patterns around it and accepting my wins and my losses. Like, like I just lost to this girl. I, I went up the belt level to purple belt and I went against this little phenom and I had her in a submission and the way she exploded out of the escape tore my LCL. And I lost my chance oh, of a thousand dollars. And this happened a couple of weeks ago, but like I handled that better than I've handled any other loss. I'm like, well, maybe it was because she was a purple belt and she's supposed to beat me, you know, but like, well, yeah, fucking I tried it, you know? Um, so yeah. I'm starting to see the results of me actively working on my um mindset and my thought behaviors patterns, you know, um, which is rewarding, you know. I can imagine. And plus, if you kind of don't have control of your mindset, you can get really hurt. I mean, tearing your ACL is no picnic, oh, but yeah. um on that mat. I'm sorry, what? It was my LCL. Thank God. LCL is on the LCL. There you go. ACL would have really Okay. Yeah. I was kind of thinking, and are we having surgery? So, um, so this is a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I mean, really you have to be conscious of who you are, where you are and what you're doing and make decisions on the mat of how far you'll go of what kind of competition are you in? So do you play all those mind games with yourself while you're in, while you're actually in the midst of a competition and talk to me a little bit about your competition life and what, what you find yourself in and what you try to, I mean, 17 competitions in the first year, that's pretty big. That's a lot of work. Like local tournaments. Right. And so when I say, I should say 17 matches. So I don't know how many competitions that was. So like, the most I've ever had at one mat or one competition is five matches, but normally I get maybe two. So it's still a fair yeah, amount of back. Okay. Yeah. So like 17 matches, I think my first year and it's been decreased since then. Cause then there was COVID and then I became a blue belt yeah. I got very early on. I tore my MCL, um, partially tore it like six, seven months ago, recovered and partially tore my LCL. Um, so, okay. Let me go back to what you originally asked with that was, um, 
what did you ask right before I said, right? Before I knew you, said, you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> where I'm at with competitions. Um, yeah. Oh, you asked, do I take that mindset? Oh, about, yeah. On the mat, how you have to kind of figure out you, what's happening at the moment. I've learned very quickly. Uh, do not go a hundred percent all the time. Tap early, put your ego aside. It does not matter. That's one thing that really helped me has helped me in jujitsu um, is tap early. If you tap early in class, you know, in practice to your favorite jujitsu partner, who you're neck and neck with. So fucking what you tap, tap 20 times a bit in competition, kick their ass, but you were smart. You're not injured, you know. Yeah. Smart, you're not injured. Yeah. Both times I was injured, it was like a. It wasn't because I didn't tap. It was like a freak. Like they mm-hmm. moved this way, I moved that way, and it was pop. You know, it just mm-hmm. there was no warning, like in a heel hook situation. It was just pop. It just happened, right? Um, in competition, I definitely will push it further. Somebody has my arm and arm bar. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna let it go a little bit further. But depends on which competition. If it's Naga or if it's you know, grappling industries, one of these more local tournaments. No, I'm going to tap. If it's a thousand dollar pool on a pay-per-view fight, you know, maybe I'll push a little further, but also I'm just a blue belt, just a blue belt. So like these competitions still really don't matter that much. Right. And so I get up there in my opinion. So when you, when you keep that kind of actual perspective of like, Hey, don't think you bigger than you are. Remember who you are. You still just down here. So play smart. Right. I definitely push it more in competition for sure. I'm going to hold on longer. I'm going to, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not afraid to tap. I'm okay with that. You know, um, I'm okay with putting that ego to the side in my opinion. I mean, I'm, my teammates will tell you I'm competitive and I want to win and I'll turn it up. We're turning it up. But if you got me in a submission, I'm going to tap early, you know? Yeah. So um, as far as where my competitions are going now is I've transitioned more into doing super fights which do you understand the difference tournament and super fight? Okay. I do those, go ahead and say it. First. Don't know. Tournament is like bracket style. Often they're um, often they're, you know, local tournaments, um, but you can have televised like on flow grappling with their coast grab uh, their coast grappling with um, fight to win. You can have tournament style uh, brackets, but a super fight is just you and the other person. If I'm, I hope I'm saying this right. It's just you and the other person. Um, they throw super fights a lot into these bracket fights. So it kind of breaks it up. So let's say it's boys at 145 purple belts competition tournament, and then to break it up and give people breaks, I'll throw in, you know, girls, blue belt, 120 super fight, just one fight, right? I'm not going against other people. So, um, this past year I've done a couple more super fights, like a couple, just a few, um, because of injuries and those are definitely more nerve wracking, a lot more eyes on you. You're on stage. It's being streamed somewhere. Um, maybe you're getting paid for it. If they're treating you right. You're getting paid for it. All those girls out there. Don't let them not pay you just cause you're a girl. You bring in a lot more views than the boys are. I'm going to tell you that right now. So, um, <laughs> also box there, make sure you get paid and make sure you have it in writing. Or they can screw you over. So um, learn that from experience. I was but, say, it sounds like the voice of experience. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I would, I want to continue to do more super fights, but local tournaments are great too. They're a great way to go in. Like my nerves aren't nearly as big in a local tournament. I can decide like, 
all right, I want to try this new thing. Maybe it's a concept I'm trying, like uh, uh, working my top game more, making sure I don't get swept, make sure I'm adding pressure and slowing down, you know, and, and getting the position before the submission before I move on to the next step. Maybe that's the concept I want to work. And that's what I go into. The situation doesn't always allow for it. That girl may be really good at sweep. She may get you on bottom. You got to work the bottom game, right? Um, yeah. But I feel like the local tournaments, especially if you know who you're going against, if you know kind of, okay, maybe this girl's in like, maybe I, I feel pretty confident against her. I feel like I could probably take her. I'm going to try a different way of submitting her this time. Uh, that's what I like local tournaments for. That's what I'm getting to like them for. And again, the nerves yeah. is high. Well, kind of test out what you're doing on the mat day in and day mm-hmm. out because it's yeah. a whole different level of adrenaline from oh, your yeah. day oh, in yeah. and day out to anything the, else. What sucks is that you can prepare and prepare and prepare for a super fight, but nothing prepares you for the adrenaline dump. Nothing. Yeah. Cause you can't, I, I haven't been able to mimic it. And yeah. so the best thing I can do on my first super fight ever, oh man, the day leading up, the days leading up, I went about it the wrong way. And so I've changed that. Yeah. It just, I was constantly trying to put myself in the moment and see how it would feel and embrace that feeling. And I used to do that in track and field. I would like, I would tell myself, I want to feel like I'm going to black out. I want to feel like I'm going to throw up at the end or I didn't push myself. And I, I lived to feel that pain, you know? Um, and it worked out really well for me in track. Um, but in jujitsu, like the, I just, yeah, the day of, I was so nervous. I couldn't eat. All I was doing was thinking about it. I surround, I surrounded myself with, um, people that I shouldn't have, um, that weren't in a good headspace themselves. And the whole ride up to the super fight was just very draining and just was not the right. You need to make sure you have the right people around you. Um, yeah. Because people can really affect your moods, even if they're not intending to. That was that was rough. Um, but the second time I went up with like two of my best friends that do some of my videographer work with me, they're like my biggest cheerleaders. They help me laugh. The day of, like I went hiking with my dogs, like what I normally do. I didn't like go work out, but I went hike, went down to the water, I swam just a little bit. I did my laundry. I did some computer work. I went about my day as if I was not competing. Other than that, I made sure I, I ate correctly which I normally, you know, was doing. And I made sure I wasn't, didn't have a hard workout. Right. But I didn't just sit around and lay around and nap or like, think about it. I just went about my day and it was way better, way better. And I won that one. I'm not saying that's why I won, but it was much, much better. Now, granted the hour before the 30 minutes for the 10 minutes for that and drilling done that it comes, you know, and I'm moving around, I'm dancing and I'm like getting excited and ready to go, you know? Um, definitely dance a lot right before I compete on the big stage, you know, <laughs> and yeah, uh, we'll kind of get it moving. Yeah. But I was able to manage that, that energy level a lot better the second time around. So, so you sound like you're pretty well in tune to yourself, um, both your body and your mind. And so do you feel like you're in tune? And then you, you mentioned, you know, eating right. And do you have a, a, plan regimen of, of how you eat and, or, you know, I, I mean, it takes a great deal of discipline to do what you're doing and to be um, fight ready. As far as feeling in tuned, I think um, I'm in tune 2020, 2020 vision, you know, you talk about <laughs> it like this. It's so easy to sound like I know what I'm talking about. 
been in a lot of therapy. In other words, you know, like, uh, yeah. uh, I have, I have actively done a lot of work on myself. I will, I will give myself that. I have definitely, I want to grow. I want to be better in these areas, but I also constantly see these patterns and these like, man, I did that again and again and again and fucking again. Um, so I feel most in tuned if I give myself time to actually sit and be by myself or talk it over with one friend, like, but talking with it with somebody is different than applying it. Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm really good up to the talking point and it's the next step to the <laughs> point where I have a lot of um, dropping the ball, you know, which is why I chose to like over the years I've been, um, I've had a therapist last couple of years kind of on and off. Um, who specializes in like ADHD and OCD, the combination of the two. And he is very practical, stays on me. Like I ask for homework. I ask for like, what do I need to be thinking about this? What do I need to be catching myself doing? It's just like in sports, like just like I I just started striking, striking lesson. Um, One of my friends, Christian said this to me and I think it applies to life. He was like, when you're done with your lesson, pick three things that you learned most in that lesson and then repeat them to a friend and then repeat it again the next day because it'll stick with you. Right. I used to do that in right. grad school after, after I had a lesson, I would summarize it up real quick in like a paragraph and it sticks with me. It forces me to take it from short-term memory to long-term memory. You know, there's studies on that. That's true. Same thing with like therapy and applying things and being in tune with myself. I can have these epiphanies, but I'm very distractible. So when we get off here, I'm going to eat something. I'm going to talk to some dude. I like, I'm going to go get on the internet. I'm going to whatever. I'll forget about it. If I don't yeah. pur- purposely apply it right so the shorter answer to I feel attuned with myself yes and no I think I really want to be maybe more than some other people I know but um I'm not as in tune with myself in the moment as I think I wish I was you know smartly looking back Um, that's that 2020 mm, 2020 yeah Um, but you may mention a couple of times of therapy and I, I want to kind of zero in on that just a little bit because I don't care what, where we are today, there just seems to be stigma right and left. And, um, and, and in talking, you just talk so naturally about therapy and, and I have come to respect it a great deal and, mm-hmm. and have used a therapist and she gives me insight into things that it may be the same situation that I've dealt with for 50 years, but she says it in a way that I just never really thought of. So mm-hmm. is that kind of your spin on therapy of it? It is really applicable to where you are today. Cause 33 is a hard age. I think the hardest age in life is from that. When you get out of school, whether it's undergrad or grad, and then you go into career and you don't have that set sport, that set group of friends, that set environment. And so, I mean, there's just all these things that can come your way. So what's, what's your feel on that? And, and talk to me about why somebody should, if they have that need or thinking of, of therapy and just, just drop the stigmas that go. And therapy for me, gosh, it's been great. Um, it provides like what you said, that insight, it has provided me so much like freedom from maybe lies I've told myself, stigmas yeah. I've put myself. Um, 
guilt I've put on myself. Um, it's also knocked me down a couple notches in areas I've been arrogant, right? Um, but the freedom, the freedom, like I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, all right, here's one. And this kind of goes deep and might you know, be triggering for people listening, but like suicidal ideal, ideal, ideolations, I'm saying the right, ideolations, Su- suicidal yeah, thoughts. Ideolation. So I struggled with that since I was probably in high school, um, sometimes more than others, but man, something I fucking learned is it's, it's fucking normal. Having suicidal thoughts are normal. Almost every human has had them. And if you, not to get too woo woo, but if you think of, if you imagine thoughts being like little air bubbles, okay. And they're floating through time and space. Almost no thought is original. That thought has been thought somewhere in the world at some point. So there are things such as intrusive thoughts, things that come into your mind that are intrusive. You don't want them there. Yeah. How many times have you thought something and you looked at somebody or something, something popped in your mind? Like, Holy fuck. Like, how, why did I think that, you know? And, um, I used to let those type of thoughts define me. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I thought this, like, I'm fucking I must be a, yeah. 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 Or like, especially suicide. I remember when I would think about that more times than others, I would start crying and be like, I can never be a wife. I can never be a mom because one day I'm going to leave these people that I love and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill myself. And what would these kids do? And well, I, it, it weighed me down. I'd be like, this is never going to go away. I call it the darkness. It's never going to go away. It's never going to go away in my mind. And when I started to see it, that, that met, I'm a big metaphor person. When I started to see it, like so many thoughts are like just already floating around there. It doesn't define me. It just came in. Bloop, I observe it goes out. Another metaphor that was told me is like, when you're observing your thoughts, it's like sitting on the side of the highway and you're watching cars go by. The cars are the thoughts. When you're just trying to meditate and just observe, you don't run out into the middle of the street and stop the car. You also don't go chase it. You let it go by and you simply observe it. Well, sometimes when I get those intrusive type thoughts, well, it's just negative thoughts or a thought about somebody else that was intrusive or not that we don't take uh, responsibility for things that we do and thoughts that we have, but there, there are intrusive thoughts. And in the past, I feel like my suicidal thoughts have been very intrusive. I see it. Oh, well, that was a thought. It's going to pass. Boom. It passes. Maybe not that second, maybe not that day, but it passes. And that gave me so much freedom. Like I no longer am scared when those things happen to me, when the, when these emotions that I was scared of, when these thoughts that I was scared of come into my mind, it's like, I recognize it for what it is. It doesn't define me. This too shall pass. Boom. And just the simple way he put it to me just gave me so much freedom. Like I, that was one of the single most freeing aspects of therapy for me right there, you know? Um, yeah, I like that and stigma around it. I mean, I remember when I first started there, my first time I went to therapy, I think it was like 20. And I was like, again, this is for weak people. It's for weak people, weak people, weak people, which is funny because I work with what the world would think is weak people and I love them to their core. Right. But I better not be weak is how I was like saying stuff to myself, but I feel like stigma really should be on the people that don't go to therapy 
in my opinion, it's like, <laughs> why aren't, why aren't you being wise enough to realize how much you can learn and help yourself grow, you know, with the right therapist? Yeah. Um, not that everybody has to go to therapy, but man, even if you don't have a problem, I recommend it. If you can afford it, do it. Like it will, um, if you have an active goal you want to move towards, you want to grow in, even if you're not going through a hard time, do it, you know? Um, you just, I don't know. I just let go of the stigma. I'm, not, I'm obviously, I don't want therapy to define me. I'm like, Oh, the girl who goes to therapy. I'm like, you should go to therapy. I've been recommended. To, I've gotten a couple, I've gotten plenty of my ex-boyfriends into therapy, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I'm a big advocate of it. I, I don't know if that answered your question, but, um, I'm definitely, it helps me where I'm at now. That whole period of where you said, um, you know, getting out of whatever schooling you're in and not having structure that's provided by like sports or school. That was me from like 22 to 30. It was difficult. Well, now that I found jujitsu, that is how, you know, you say change your life. It, it brought me back to having that structure, um, which is what sports provided for me before. You know, I don't have to necessarily yeah. think exactly what I'm going to do with my day. I already know, even though I'm injured now, I already know I go up there every day. I do my physical therapy. I'm around my teammates because I know that's my community. I'm going to feel depressed if I don't as anybody probably would be in away from their community. It's not because I'm a super depressed person. It's I, I need that in my life and I know it. So I go get it. It's like, it's, it's not even something I have to think about. I'm just going, you know? So. Well, and you mentioned community and that seems to be something that kind of plays through for a lot of people is that that's why they wind up on the mat for that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been the, um, the common thread amongst stories I've heard, um, about jujitsu affecting people's lives, you know, positively is the community that it provides, you know, and a lot of people find it at my age in their twenties and their thirties, when that natural community of schooling or organized sports has no longer, is no longer around. Right. Um, yeah, usually- definitely. I call it my church. You know, I sometimes will post videos of jujitsu and I'll be like, welcome to church, you know, and I don't mean it in some sacrilegious way. I mean it in like a community way, you know, people that will accept you and be there. And And look for you when you're not. Yep. I mean, that's kind of, kind of the thing. It's like, there's, there's a certain amount of accountability that comes in with the group. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it becomes your environment. And, um, so what's, what would you be known for your favorite move or what you, um, kind of perfect and people kind of expect to see out of you? Triangles and triangle arm bars. Um, I see them all the time. My favorite is a rear triangle. Um, it's come from behind and you do it often when people are in turtle. So they're on all fours. Um, and I'm on their back. I'll go kind of high on their back and I'll shoot a leg in by their neck and I'll flip them. And I like to do a rear triangle. Now that's not the triangle I get. The triangle I most commonly get is just a regular triangle, whether it's from bottom or flip over on a mount, but rear triangle, it's my favorite. It's like the most dominant position in jujitsu. Um, and I love it. Um, but people, my friends are like, Oh, Mary kitchen and triangle, kitchen and triangle. Um, I also love Japanese necktie. 
when you're going for a darts, but my arms are short. So my coach taught me a Japanese necktie and it's, it's awesome because you can kind of bait people into it. You have to gather their top leg. It's kind of hard to visualize, but people often give you their top leg because they think they're going to be able to retain a guard that way. And so I'm like, oh yeah, you fucked up and I can control their hips that way and Japanese necktie. Um, those are the, the, the things I get the most, but I would love to do more like go-go plata mounted go-go because you can look into their eyes as you submit them. <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she laughs. <laughs> <laughs> so savage part of me coming out but um yeah that is i'd say that's what i'm probably known for and the savage part uh hopefully 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 they're scared but no the triangle and triangle arm bars yeah yeah uh, well um how do you balance i mean having having a full-time job and and having outside things too but how do you balance life? Well, I should clarify. I don't really work full time because um, I'm an occupational therapist in home health. I can create my own schedule. And I used to see like maybe five patients a day, which would be like five hours total. But then drive times maybe seven hours, which was closer full time. But I've, I make money now through Instagram as well. Building my Instagram, I have sponsors. And now Instagram specifically will pay you sometimes for your reels. So you can make close to an extra thousand dollars a month doing that. Um, but then I have sponsors, right? So I've been able to cut back on patients. I usually see three at most four patients a day, but usually three. So I get up, I'll do two patients and I'll go to, I work out at jujitsu as well. Like I do an actual fitness workout there. Um, so I'll either do that or I do jujitsu when I'm healthy. And then I'll see one more patient and maybe go to jujitsu that night. So, um, yeah, I just have a great job great job. And it's the job I wanted. I wanted to be my own boss without being the boss. I don't have to recruit patients. I don't have to I don't own the place. It doesn't matter if a building burns down, like nobody's calling me, you know, it's just, I'm an independent contractor. I do my thing. I get in, I say I get in, get out, but I, I do spend a lot of extra time with my patients because I love them and I have the time to do it because I'm also making money online. What is hard to balance is like making sure I'm staying on sponsorships. I need to be better at recruiting more sponsors because I see the potential of what I could be making, what I am making. Um, I'm going to start with a, I believe I'm going to do Patreon account, which is like a, do you know what Patreon is? Yeah. And so letting yeah, people. Have yeah. Where you get more people. Um, yeah. This a little bit more specialized. In. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like most of my stuff online is just jujitsu. So if you want to see a different look into my life, okay, you can subscribe five ninety nine. You'll get to see other photos that are on my camera reel that I don't post on Instagram because it's not jujitsu because I'm very jujitsu based. So whether it's out hiking with the dogs, whether it's anything that we're doing. Um, and then like the next level will be like, oh, here's videos, including all of my live roles. Cause I don't usually post my full live roles on Instagram because Instagram's algorithm is better for one minute videos. So it's like, there's that, there's my fitness stuff. Here's me reading my DMS, which is going to be a more of a funny type videos, you know? Um, and then the next level could be, okay, well you have access to, you know, you can go live on Instagram. Well, I'll just go live for just these patrons, just these 20 people. And so you'll be, you'll have a chance to ask questions where I can actually get to it. And you know, I'm working on the different levels. Um, I might end up having my sister-in-law build me just my own website. I haven't chosen the platform yet, but I'm not going to bring in another, you know, other money without overwhelming my time. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I already have all this content. I never post. I can post this elsewhere now. Right. 
And that's going to be more for like fandom, right? People who are not just followers, but are actual fans. They want to know me, which is uh, where I come into a little bit of self-doubt. I'm like, do people really care? I, I think yeah. I'm pretty great. You know, like, do they fucking care? You know, like, do they, do they yeah. care enough to see behind the scenes? And I guess we'll see, you know, and if not, it's like, yeah. Mary, that's no big deal. You know, it's. Yeah. And so, um, but so I have other avenues um where revenue is coming in which allows me because of the way it's coming in it allows me time to train yeah that makes sense. yeah and you have to set it up that way and you have to get some evergreen content and some content that might be similar but can be shot out different ways because that can be totally time consuming and yes. and can really play with your mind of, you know, if you're not looking at it 24 seven, then you just miss the boat. And mm-hmm. and that can be incredibly stressful. So how did you get, you know, I mean, I know you're of the age that the social media is a big thing, but how did you kind of decide to launch that direction? I actually got on social media other than like Facebook. I don't, cause I don't use Facebook really, but Instagram, I got on that wagon, like really late. I was forced onto it for my old job forced. I mean, they, they needed me to run the Instagram account. And I just had a regular Instagram until Priscilla and I started filming. And then like overnight I gained like 6,000 followers. And then it just, I just kept filming what we were doing. So it was right. at first it was a lot of extra work because it took me hours to learn what we were doing. Well, now it's like, okay, I just learned this flow. Hey, Lauren, you want to film real quick? Okay. It takes an extra five minutes, maybe boom, post it. So it's like, for me, the content's easy because I'm just filming what I'm already doing. Does that make sense? Right. There is yeah, some and you're not sitting down and editing it to death. You're just well just, because it's a lot better at the stuff you can use on it, like adding adding music, things like that. I was editing, and now it's like so much faster, so much easier. Like I can I can knock out videos like that no time, depending on if it's just jujitsu or striking content. Now, like I'm gonna go up there and make a video today for my sponsored action. Um, and make a video there that's a little more educational and like rehab for my knee, um, and incorporate them. That's going to take me a little. That's that's separate time from my day, right? Yeah. But if I'm if I stay organized, I can usually go up there on a weekend. So I need to make these five sponsorship videos and knock it out. If I have it planned out in the course of an hour, hour and a half, and then I'm done for the month. As far as knocking out all my sponsorship ones, but most of my videos are literally organically what I'm already doing. So I'm already going to jujitsu. So I just video tape it real quick after throw it up. And I try and tell my friends who want to do it, but they're not sure. I'm like, you're overthinking it. Just put it up there. Especially if you're a girl, you're in a male dominated sport. You know, there's pros and cons to that. People are always going to sexualize you no matter what, but at the same time, they're always going to love you for it. So just, put up jujitsu like you're a girl they're dudes you how do I put this the right way my favorite followers are the ones that are actually getting something from my content not the ones who are like show me your feet a lot of fit fetish people follow us but at the same time they are built <laughs> that's weird it's different world out there but it's like because <laughs> your girl think it just throw it up there and people are going to rip you apart people are going to mansplain you and people are also gonna tell you how great it was and thank you so much for the content I'm learning so much you know just I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say but just don't overthink the content this type of content just throw it up there you know 
obviously if it's, if you're doing a move completely wrong and you're misrepresenting it, like, yeah, ask a coach. But um, for the most part, I think it becomes most time consuming when you overthink your content. But if you're doing something you already love and you enjoy and you're naturally doing like we are, you don't have to overthink it. Just film it, make sure it's correct looking and put it up there. What, yeah. what I do love about that too is, you know, I think a big pressure as a female, I'm sure as a male too, but like I said, I've only ever been me is the pressure to look perfect, to look like these other girls online. But I look like shit when I do jujitsu. I turn red as a tomato. Okay. My hair's everywhere. There's no makeup. <laughs> Sometimes I look like a 14 year old boy. There's a picture posted yesterday. My hair's pulled like straight back like this. I'm in like boy shorts and a t-shirt. And I literally look like the 14 year old boy in the middle. It's like, what would people expect doing jujitsu? You know, it's so what's, what's cool to me is that it's allowed me this freedom of like putting something online where like, I don't look cute. Sometimes, sometimes I look cute, but like often I like, I don't look, I definitely don't look my best. But it's freeing because it's like, fuck doing jujitsu. Who expects me to look good doing this? You know? Um, well, it makes it more real and more believable because it is. I mean, they yeah. walk in the gym, they're going to see the same thing. Yes. So it's but, not. Um, yeah, they walk in, they should be able else. to recognize me. You know what I mean? They should recognize mm-hmm. me because I look that bad on the camera. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that a person on the camera. That rough, you know? But um, that being said, yeah. when there are videos where I, I've done my hair and I'm supposed to look cuter. I struggle more with those. That's where the whole perfectionist comes in for me. It's like, oh, yeah. I need to look I need to look that way. But when it's jujitsu, it just feels a lot more freeing because it's like, well, yeah, we all look like shit doing it. I mean, props to my friends. My, I, my friends sometimes come out of jujitsu looking like they just freshly came out of the shower. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> Not everybody yeah, turns, but, yeah. but um, uh, I don't know. There's something freeing about that that I like. Well, do you think it's because jujitsu is freeing for you? Yeah, like let me give you an example that's popped in that's that's pretty personal for me. But um so I I've talked about this a little on my Instagram. I've had like um bad skin uh problems my whole life. Doing great right now. Oh, you should ask me about a diet. This goes into that. But um I'm not exactly sure this is the reason why, but I was in the ER a couple of months ago for an ovarian cyst. Well, after doing more research, I was like, I've likely have had ovarian cysts for a long time. Tons of women have them. Like I think one in four have them. Don't even know. There's, it, and it fucks your hormones. You're just thinking, fuck your skin. So I've gone through, since I was 13 years old, I've gone through having, you know, skin looks okay to like acne. Skin's okay. Acne or my skin's itching and it's really red and almost looks like a rosacea. It's just itches, itches, itches. And, um, I really struggled with that. I mean, that fucked my brain a lot growing up caused a lot of insecurities, a lot of me hiding, a lot of me figuring out how far I could stand away from people for them not to see my acne. This is a 14 year old girl. I'd look in the mirror and okay, I gotta be this far away for my crush to not notice my skin is bad. And I would stand that far away from him, but get closer. Oh, wow. you up, you know, shit. Yeah. And that's hard. I, you know, so I've, I've always been fit my whole life. So I don't know if this translates, but I imagine that it causes some of the same mental struggle that maybe a child who has that has been overweight the whole life, you know, and that they may deal with, right. Because it's nothing we can hide, right. Same thing on my face. Can't hide really. I mean, you put makeup, you, want it, you can't hide it. It's on your face. And right. 
So jujitsu though kind of helped me. I care more about jujitsu than I care about looking pretty. Oh and wow. That it it kept me going most of the time. There have been times I've not gone to jujitsu because my skin's been so bad. I just don't want it to get worse. I don't want to get on the mats. I don't want it sweaty. I don't want it. But I have done the, throughout my whole life, I've backed out of things because I was having problems with my skin and I'm self-conscious about it. But jujitsu only a couple times have I backed out, you know, and it's because I care more about that fucking sport and choking people out and winning than I cared about if they were noticing that acne, right? And that wow. is free. And for somebody who hasn't experienced that, I just, I don't think they can understand. Maybe plug in something else, whether it's weight or I don't know yeah. what else. Like that's, those are the two things I think I feel like will correlate as far as an emotional impact on somebody growing up. But yeah, uh, it, jujitsu help with the image of myself a lot. Um, don't get me wrong. I still definitely struggle with it. And like recently I was having problems because I had the ovarian cyst I was in the hospital for, and then I changed my diet again. I've done this one other time where I, I do what's called the autoimmune protocol by Amy Myers, not sponsored by her or anything, but she's here in Austin. She's a functional medicine doctor. I read her book. And so I read that doing this diet, I say diet, I'm not losing weight or I'm not trying to lose weight or anything, but, um, yeah, it's kind of a reset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, so I've been doing that for the past month and that, of course, with some topical stuff, uh, my skin is, you know, cleared all the way up. So, um, where it had been bad for a couple months and for me, it it also, itches really bad when it gets like that. And so I constantly am thinking about it, just itches and itches and testing, you know, but, um, so before that eating plan though, people probably will not love me for what I say I would eat other than dairy. Um, I ate almost whatever I wanted. I would eat peanut butter and jellies every day. The month before I got on this diet, I was really stressed out. I was moving. I ate peanut butter and jelly like two or three times a day toasted really like it. I'll eat, you know, dairy free pizza. I'll eat burgers and bacon and, um, I'm super, super active. Like we, I walk with my patients a couple hours a day. I'm doing jujitsu a couple hours, you know, I'm working out Yeah. and I, I was a gymnast my whole life. So like I worked hard for my metabolism to be where it's at. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I struggle with fatigue a lot. So I will say getting on the autoimmune protocol and it's only been a month definitely helps with fatigue. Not that I don't get tired, but I think it's more of a normal, like I'm not falling asleep at the wheel at 10 AM after full night's sleep which was happening to me. I was falling asleep driving. I would like literally oh, wow. be at stop signs. Like I was having sugar crashes, yeah. which um, ovarian cysts can cause you to have some insulin resistance, which makes you pre-diabetic. I'm 120 pounds with 12% body fat and I'm pre-diabetic. Like what the oh, fuck? Oh man, you wouldn't expect that. Yeah. Right. So, um, so anyway, I've been long story short, I've been doing the autoimmune protocol and it's, um, helped, you know, with fatigue helped with, um, Sorry if my screen went out, my battery's dying. Um, You're fine. Yeah, help with the fatigue, help with um, my skin a lot. So uh, yeah. I couldn't say That's- how much it was my endurance in jujitsu because I've been injured almost 
most of the time I've been on the protocol again. So haven't been yeah. rolling, but it's nice. Well, the, everything you do takes so much time and so much energy and so much thought. And so, I mean, that's, you could, you could really wind up having an exhausting life, but you have such fulfillment coming out of it. So most of the time. Uh, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, we have talked about a, a lot of different topics. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure we address? I don't know if this, this just came to mind when you were saying like all the things that take so much time and you had asked me earlier, like, how do I find time for jujitsu? Something always takes a hit, right? Something's always going to take a yeah. hit because you only have so much time. And just for people out there listening, you're like, oh man, I wish I could have more time to jujitsu this. I'll say what takes a hit for me is like the adulting, you know, like taking time to get a credit card and build credit, taking time to get my finances in order with my bookkeeper so that I'm paying taxes on the stuff that I'm bringing in off Instagram so that I can get a better loan so I can buy a house. So I can all this, like uh, the adulting of my life takes a hit because it is lower on my priorities than going to jujitsu than seeing my patients relational things take higher priority to me, you know, and then active physical. And so I I do struggle prioritizing the things in my life. Um, that would probably make my life go a lot smoother. Um, which causes a certain amount of underlying anxiety. Right. So that's something this year I'm like, all right, I got to meet with the bookkeeper. I got to do this. I want to, so for anybody out there listening, don't have the solution that my life is just like rainbows and Skittles. And what are you doing wrong that your life isn't like that? That is not true at all. Like I have a great life and I'm privileged to live it. Um, but everything takes a hit. And so I'm, I'm not out here being, you know, superwoman by any means. Um, I just prioritize some things over the others, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, that's pretty mature to, to hit that. Um, you know, even at this stage of your life, because a lot of people are like, I don't know why I don't know what and it's like, well, because that priority list oh, yeah, no, falls lower than something yeah. else. Yeah. I neglect that. But, um, I feel like there's so many other things I could add. Oh yeah. But we could go on and on. Maybe two things that don't necessarily relate is one thing that's coming to mind is you going towards your goals. You know, anybody who's listening and hearing us talking about any of these things is you know, self-sabotage is real. I do it all the time and I often do it because I don't know where to start or I know once I start, I know my pattern of sometimes dropping the ball and I might fail. And I would encourage you to, as I'm encouraging myself saying this, it's like, get you somebody, get you that friend who's like, we're going to do this. I've got that friend right now. She's got to go. I got to go. We're staying on each other. And four days in a row, we neglect it. You know, we're like, we're fucking doing it today. We're going to, we're going to take that step. And my therapist says like a lot of times if studies show that if you just set 10 minutes aside to start on that one thing, just give it 10 minutes. Usually the ball starts rolling and you continue into the next hour. Do you know what I mean? So that's, 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 that's my homework. I've been applying, talking about, you know, yeah. applying things like that's what I'm doing these last couple of weeks is, and I've last week and I had so much time to do those 10 minutes and I watched game of Thrones my roommate and didn't do that at all. Right. So, um, preaching to myself here, but today when we get off here, like I have set aside that 10 minutes to get started on my Patreon stuff. Right. 
Um, so I would encourage that for anybody without with jujitsu or other aspects of your life. Um, and then if you're in the jujitsu world and you're a female, look for those other females that will build you up. I've been fortunate to be at a gym where it was full of women who build each other up. Like, yeah, there've been some problems here and there, but minimal, minimal, you know, like we have a strong, solid group of females um, who have each other's back and who apologize to each other and who but often what's great is like, there's usually not a lot of apologies needed, you know, of course you get somebody here or there comes in and kind of change the dynamic of things. But, um, if you're not in a place where you don't feel like you're surrounded by strong men and women, uh, find a new gym. There's a bunch of gyms out there, you know, um, our gym promotes doing cross training, promotes bringing other people in, also promotes kicking you out if you're a bad apple, you know? Um, but find a, find a place that supports you, but also be that person that supports other people. You know, can't just go in being like, what's they're going to give to me, but what are we going to give to them? You know, I think that's what makes a good gym environment. Mm-hmm. That give and take. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Um, and as women, sometimes, I mean, you're having a different emotion than maybe the guys do and maybe feeling like you have to fight for your spot on the mat or for, do you ever have any of those feelings of having to like justify that you're, you're worthy to be right where you are? Just a couple of times. And maybe my first year being there, there was just a small handful of, of men that um, just weren't at the most mature points in their life. And uh, who I think were just a little, um, jealous of like the online attention me and a couple of the other girls that were putting out content we're getting because I think maybe they're trying to do the same thing but they're dudes you know dudes in a dude world versus girl in a dude world we there's just an advantage right like we all knew that um wasn't that my jujitsu was any better or content was any better um I have a god of vagina you don't like that's you know but um that was the only time but it was just such a small little group and they're, I feel like this sounds like a dick way to say it, but like their opinion just doesn't really matter. That makes sense. Like it was, I think it was evident to everybody group as a whole, that this was just some immaturity and it, it, I could let it bother me. I could not. And whatever, for whatever reason, that stuff has bothered me in the past, that particular group, it just didn't bother me. And now these people are my friends. You know, like move past, they see you there. They say you don't quit after a blue belt. They see, you know, um, but you do have to push through. I've talked about this before. Like, don't let anybody tell you what jujitsu is going to be to you. If it's your hobby, it's your hobby. If you want to go once a week, go once a week. If it's your social hour, it's your social hour. If it's your competition, it's your competition. You know, Um, you're paying to be there. So you get to decide what it is for you, in my opinion. Because I've been yeah, a business like owner that. too. I've been on the other side. Um, Triple Bar is actually run very similar to Ten Planet Gyms. You got women that come in there, they're trying to socialize. You got women coming in there trying to do the technique perfect, trying to grow muscle, trying to lose weight, trying to. And some women, they're literally just there to see their friends. They're all paying though. It's a business. They're mm-hmm. all paying, so make them happy. You know. Anyway, that's that's a soapbox for business owners on a different time. But um, 
so yes, there have been times um, I felt like I've had to prove myself, but less and less do I allow that to bother me. Um, Cause there are always going to be people that doubt you or hate you or say, you're just a pretty face or I mean, look at Paige Van Zandt. She's been very successful UFC fighter, right? How, how many people mm-hmm. hate on her? She's pretty and she has the only fans and she does not. She's successful as all get out, you know? Yeah. But maybe she's a real fighter. She's a real fighter, you know? Um, not say it will never not get to you. It will, but it, or it has gotten to me before, but, um, I feel like less and less as I've been with 10th planet longer and at least the people there about family, they, they know we're serious about what we do and that we love it and that we're there for our teammates, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You, know, you just show up and people know you're there for a reason, but you, I don't know. You can say cliche, just do it for yourself and not for other people, but other people's opinions will get to you at times. But um, I guess I don't really have a concise answer for that, but yes, I've experienced some of that. Fortunately, it hasn't bothered me like too much. Um, I'm kind of skipping ahead to something else though, that I want to be sure. Yeah, to add. Um, I, again, I can only speak to females. Um, you know, they always say don't shit where you eat. And I have seen multiple gym relationships do really well and end up in marriages. And some people came in, they were couples beforehand. You know, those usually do pretty well. They're couples beforehand. They come in, yeah. do jujitsu together. I've seen a couple where they meet at the gym and they're all still together. Right. I have, um, so I can't say it will never happen, but think long and hard before you do it. I would highly recommend not, if you know, something's going to be a fling, don't have it at your gym. Um, cause that's a place you love and you're going to be in, um, in the world we live in, girls are, are treated differently than boys when it comes to those types of things. You just have to think about it, whether it's right or wrong, that's the reality of it. Um, you know, if I, it's interesting you say that because, um, as I was coming along in the career world, it was more of a, don't fish off your own pier. Um, mm-hmm. because if you did it in the workplace, then, and something doesn't work out, then one of you is going to leave or have to leave or, yeah. you know, or whatever. But, um, but it's, it's really hard when you're talking about a gym where your relationships, um, are kind of where the whole thing, your emotions are so raw and you're out there having to trust and be vulnerable. And so, I mean, it does provide a whole different um it's it's different from work um, yeah. at work you can be a whole lot more shielded and sheltered but mm-hmm. but you could be pretty vulnerable in the gym and absolutely and it could lose your community yeah um, and we got um, a wedding coming out of ours though becca and seth <laughs> met at the gym okay yeah. so I will say, like so come our, march it better work <laughs> our, our uh, the people that own 10th planet Austin, like they're married through the gym. Right. But they had their ups and downs. They're yeah. on here right now. They tell you they had their ups and downs. It was difficult, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. A solid marriage. They have a kid, you know, things are great. Um, there's a couple other, my friends who are dating inside the gym and it's going great. You know, I'm very happy yeah. for them. I would love, yeah. I would love to have that. I would love it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. just think, but think it is good to- advice. Yeah. I, I'm, and I'm speaking from experience, you know? Um, yeah. I've, had a gym relationship that crashed and burned and it affected me for six, seven, eight months. And you have to put on a happy face for your team and, and you have to go in as in and push forward and 
decide, yeah. am I going to be here? Am I not? You know, and you go do everything you can to try and be the bigger person, right. Or be a bigger person, not that you're bigger than the other person. You know what I mean? No, just yeah, to handle yeah, yeah. your business, you know, um, and it's difficult. And then I've had another gym relationship where very intentional, like, Hey, no matter what happens, we're going to work on staying friends and dated that person very briefly. We are still good friends, very adult very, things. It can go all different sorts of ways, but just think it through, yeah. know the good and the bad and the ugly of the possibilities, I would say before you do any of that. I think that's sound advice, sound advice. So let's wrap up. And um, I have one question of if you had a superpower, got it for 24 hours, you can use it professionally or personally. What would the superpower be? How would you use it? And really, why would you choose that? I don't know if this is an actual superpower, but I wish my brain calculated faster strategically. So like, so I could see faster in jujitsu what's coming next and read that and always be the step ahead. But if you want like a legit superpower, <laughs> uh, gosh, that's the only one I'm like really thinking of. I'm like, I would fly, but it would, I guess be reading the minds. Like, I don't necessarily want to know what other people are thinking of me, things like that, but I want to know what they're thinking to do next so that I can be a step ahead. You want to be a step ahead, no matter what you want to be a step ahead. <laughs> That's what wins jujitsu. Probably what makes you win. Yeah. See, so. jujitsu infiltrates your life. Yes, it so, is. Mary, how do people follow you? Um, Instagram is my main thing. It's um, at Mary underscore A underscore B as in boy. Mary is with one arm. Um, so Mary underscore A underscore B. That's the same on TikTok. Um. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see my link tree. There's all different links to like my different sponsors and I have a lot of discount codes to save you all money on gear, on coffee products, on CBD, all different things. Um, and then soon, once I have either my personal website built out or a Patreon, the link tree will be there. Announcements will be made on Instagram. I do have a Facebook. I never use it. It automatically updates from um, Instagram, but if you want to follow it, it's Mary Angela. And, uh, yeah. And also I have a, my own rash guard company called Dogfight dojo, which is dogfightdojo.com. It's also an Instagram at dogfight dojo. We put up a lot of different tutorials. We have a bunch of different gears and ladies. We've got a lot of gear for you all too. It's, it's my favorite fit. Not just cause it's my brand. I love the manufacturer. Um, it's great gear. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. It has been a pleasure. Thing. It's very nice to meet you. Find Stacked Keys Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes or anywhere you get your favorite podcast, listen. You'll laugh out loud, you'll cry a little, you'll find yourself encouraged. Join us for casual conversation that leads itself based on where we take it from family to philosophy to work to meal prep to beautifully surviving life. And hey, if I could ask a big favor of you, 
go to iTunes and give us a five rating. The more people who rate us, the more we get this podcast out there. Thanks. I appreciate it.